Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Mike Belverde. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, Cal. So, you know, I was going to ask you, unfortunately, Darius Geis and all its owners that have drafted already have lost him for the season with that torn ACL. But, when you know, when that, when that occurred, uh, obviously, I, I don't want to see anyone hurt. But with his attitude problems, the first thing that popped in my head was karma. What, what about you? What, oh. what, what did, did, did did any of that pop in your head, or um, was it just one of those depressing situations? Well, I think, you know, there is a little bit of homer bias here. If you remember, he played for the Fighting LSU Tigers. And so, yeah, there was there were some things about him, you know, having maybe a little bit of an attitude. But, you know... LSU kind of has a history of producing guys that walk with a little bit of a swagger. I mean, you've got the Honey Badger. You've got some of those. You know, there's a lot of guys like that that kind of come out of LSU and various guys kind of being the most recent. Maybe um, that might be framing it in the best possible light. But, uh, no, that's a, I mean, huge loss. I, you know, hate, you hate to see somebody, I guess, go down with a – ACL. I know you. I'm sure you wouldn't hope for that, but yeah, it's a. Uh, there are 
injuries like that that um, you, you know, maybe look at and say, I don't know that I'd say karma. Gosh, that's harsh. That's harsh, Mike. That's rough. <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. Ever, ever since he attacked a, a person on Twitter that had like 400 followers, you know, and just trying to work her, her job and found out that he was visiting Washington and he blew up all over her because she tweeted that I, I sort of just turned my back on the guy. Yeah. So dude, I don't know if you saw, it's funny you mentioned that, but that is becoming a little bit of a epidemic in the NFL right now. It seems, um, did you see that Antonio Brown went after that reporter on uh, Twitter based on the reports of him limping off the field the other day, like something like seemingly like, you're just used to hearing a reporter say something about it, but he went off on Twitter about that. Did you see it? No, I didn't. That, that what, was it um, someone that was an independent Twitter or was it like, I mean, Ian Rappaport kind of person? No, it was like a, more like an independent person. Let me, I'm going to find that. Um, and while I'm doing it, it does just seem like there has been a lot of that type of um, almost like a, uh, hatred for those media members um do you think maybe there's like we've hit a tipping point where i've always felt like the media was pretty invasive for these guys um especially when you're talking about you know 21 to 26 27 year olds i mean the way they stick a microphone in their face some of the worst moments of their lives and want a reaction and things like that do you think this tensions have been boiling long enough and all of a sudden now some of these guys are starting to fight back or is it just kind of some one-off um, nonsense from some of these guys that uh, maybe, you know, maybe these guys just, I mean, it's Brown's always been pretty savvy, but yeah, it just seems like this is picking up a, a little bit. What do you think about that? Yeah. It's, it's hard to know exactly what that may be. A lot of players, can just be testy and you know there a lot of stuff is going on right now they they're back to two days and working hard and i bet you the stress levels are are high because they're going against players that are trying to make the team and it's you know a lot of just distress so maybe they just get tired of seeing people complain about them and it doesn't really matter who it is because it's that last straw of the camel and it's broken, it's back, and now they're, you know, letting loose. And I don't know. I, I think that if you're getting paid what they're getting paid, regardless if they're deserving or not, it comes with the territory, it comes with the price tag. And if you can't keep your emotions in check for anybody, then, you know, what what are you doing out there? And so I can understand it a little bit, but I also feel that, you got to understand where you're at and who you are as a person. And if you can't get that straight, then it's, it's going to happen again. So uh, it's, I I think it goes back and forth and I could see both the positives and negatives of each side of it, of the coin there. So this was uh, from Ed Bichette, who works for the Pittsburgh post-gazette. He's a writer. appears to be uh, basically a, a beat reporter here. Uh, for them covering the Steelers, and he tweeted out 
looks like this was yesterday that he tweeted this out. He, he said, he said, Antonio Brown limped off practice after some early individual work. Um, so very, I mean, just, I guess something he observed that I, I don't know if it's, I guess I wasn't there. I don't know if it's true or not. I haven't heard anybody say that it wasn't, it wasn't true except for Antonio Brown who said, so seriously have some respect making, um, we'll say crap up clown. <laughs> so yeah, wow. he, um, Antonio Brown wasn't very happy. Uh, really clapped back at this guy pretty hard. Um, yeah, I feel like a, a respected reporter. Been covering him uh, for a long time. Um, apparently, maybe covering them for longer than Antonio Brown has been alive. Wow. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've been covering since 1985. Wow. So yeah, I don't know. I guess that maybe there's something more under the surface. Maybe some people just don't like any reports at all about them, and that's but that seems. Seems like a small deal for Antonio Brown to get really super fired up about. Makes makes you wonder what that's about. Yeah, I think it's more than just the fact that a, a reporter said he was limping off the field because who cares? It's not like he's um, it, it's the end of the season and he's fighting for a contract or something, and uh, he reported something egregious and the, it affects his contract. You know, it, it's limping off the field. And so, you know, um, right. Darn. It wasn't like you said, you know, it wasn't like you said, um, man, this punk Antonio Brown is always limping off the field or, you know, something like that. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, like Antonio Brown's mom sat on his leg and he had to limp off the field or, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't something like offensive. I don't know. Lighten up Antonio. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, yeah, if if he said, well, looks like Antonio Brown is lazy again during practice, he had a limp off the yeah. field or, you know, all that other stuff, yeah, okay, maybe that's not cool. But just because he reported that he limped off the yeah, I don't get it. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, um, hey, so this all started a conversation with uh, Darius Guy. So let's let's jump into that. So obviously that's the biggest news. Uh, he got tackled. I mean, man, what a great start. He, what was it, like a 39-yard run, 38, 39-yard run. He gets tackled. Um, and at first there was some positivity, like maybe it's just a sprained MCL. Go to MRI, and the news breaks the next day. He, sure enough, tore his ACL out for the season. Uh, I guess the positive thing, he should be healthy and back, ready to go in 2019. But – Let's talk real quick, a couple things um, first on this, and there's obviously more implications in Dynasty Leagues, but let's just talk about this year. Is there anybody in that Redskins backfield now currently who benefits from the fact that Darius Geis is going to miss all of 2018? Well, benefit and actually doing something are are two different things in my book, but um, I I think that – uh, Samajay P. Ryan is going to definitely get definitely some looks. Um, and then also Chris Thompson is – so basically what they're going to do is probably go back to what they had last year. And Rob Kelly will be back as well. So it's going to be the probably 
dual role between P. Ryan and Kelly while Chris Thompson catches passes out of the backfield. So I saw that a lot more limited for Chris Thompson uh, this year because of the fact that uh, guys can be a good pass catcher. So you're, you're probably going to have a more of a limited role with, with uh, Chris Thompson, but I, that all opens up for him. So I think the biggest winner out of all this is Chris Thompson. Yeah, I can see I can see Chris Thompson continuing to have that role once he gets healthy. You know, he's balanced some injuries and all as well. So hopefully, hopefully he gets better quickly. Pewan had some games last year that really weren't terrible. He had back-to-back hundred-yard games. Um, you know, only scored one touchdown last year through the eight or through um, on the ground. Looks like he did add one receiving as well against San Fran in Week Six, but. You know, outside of a couple of couple of big games, he kind of fell back to the pack and kind of showed that he's, I guess, really just a guy at running back. Do you think do you think Kelly could be a little bit more than that, or do you think this is just kind of a whoever wins doesn't really matter that much because they're not going to really produce much more than maybe a running back three for your team anyway? Yeah, I definitely see it as more of a running back three situation. I like Kelly, he's, but he's sort of like Melvin Gordon, a limited Melvin Gordon, where they're going. He's going to do some good things, but his yards per carry are are around three point eight, three point nine. So that's that's something you just can't have out of your running back, especially a full time running back. And I just, I just. I, I just see them cannibalizing each other. So it's hard for this, for this season to say, Hey, uh, look at P Ryan or look at Kelly. Uh, I think they're both draftable in as a dart throw, but I don't see them doing anything unless one of them goes down as again, as an injury. So yeah, I think just Chris Thompson stands alone among all three. So, Let's talk about um, the future here. Darius Geis. Well, oh, wait, let me – one more thing. Any chance they pick up the phone and place a call to DeMarco Murray? I mean, obviously, NFC East, they know a lot about him. They know, um, you know, sometimes you'll see situations like that where a guy will um, get a little bit more looks within his own division, and so they might pick up the phone and, and make a call. Obviously, Murray announced his retirement, but any chance that this – Injury and possible uh, connection there could pull him out of retirement and get him back in pads. It all depends on what they feel is what Kelly and P. Ryan can do for them. If that's anything more than what maybe, um, oh, what's his name? You just mentioned it. Um, with, uh, the guy from, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Um, and, uh, so if Murray can do more for them than P Ryan or, or Kelly, then as a total package, then they might, I I just, that would be a great story. It really would, but I just don't see it happening. I I think, I think if he was to come back, he already would have, I'm sure the 49ers probably tried before they brought in Alfred Morris. Um, and we'll see, but. He definitely, he's definitely a name out there, and why not give it a try? I mean, I know I would. You know, someone who's yeah. definitely still has football left in him, why not give it a try? 
I think he could, you know, if that were to happen, he would represent he would represent a possibility of somebody maybe as a running back too. I think, you know, you could definitely see him with a chance for maybe even do a little, doing a little bit better. But um, that would be the only thing I'd say. It probably means some good things for Alex Smith. It probably means good things for other members of that passing um, attack because, you know, I would expect this probably means they don't get near as much production out of the running back position as they were hoping for. And, yeah, they probably end up passing more than they initially thought they would. So, um, yeah, could be good things for them. So let's talk about what that means for us in rookie draft. Obviously, a lot of guys, a lot of leagues are about to start their rookie draft. Maybe, uh, hopefully you didn't already. Maybe, maybe you already did. I certainly have some leagues that do, and that's, that's unfortunate, but for those of us who still have some leagues that we're looking to draft, um, you're in a dynasty league. Obviously, you get to keep these players forever um, if, you know, if you're in a true dynasty league. Um, if you've got a late first-round pick, say, or maybe I'll just toss it out, out to you and just say, what, what do you think this does to Darius Guy? If he had kind of settled into that – number two overall pick with some of Rashad Penny's troubles and talk about Ronald Jones, maybe not quite being um, the starter and taking hold of that job that Darius guys had, had kind of settled into being the number two pick behind, um, behind uh, Saquon Barkley. How far does this push him down in terms of a rookie draft? Yeah, it, it's hard now because you you have so many different options now to do with that. You're, you're not you're not you're not drafting a player that's going to start for you this year. But in dynasty terms, you, you you have to weigh out what what between guys being say let's just say he's the second pick behind Barkley as you were talking about, and what, who's the next player? Is it Penny? Well, can you? Can you see a future? Does that one year matter more than it does for Penny outweigh the, the missing year for Geist? So if you think Geist is going to be one of those players that is just going to blow out the doors and is Penny is looking like he can't even beat out Carson and then Ronald Jones, like you said, is struggling, can't catch a football. Uh, so – you look at your value at, at the second pick comparable to the value at three, four, and five. And if that missing year is still worth more, then you're going to pull the trigger. Now, if you feel that you can still get more value out of say Ronald Jones, then, you know, you, you might, you might either trade down or say, okay, go with, you know, I wouldn't go with, I wouldn't make that leap, but, Maybe you go with somebody else like Rashard Penny or something. You figure out that what whatever missing value you have, and you go with that. But it's hard to say that Geis is is not is someone that you still draft at number two because he's missing a year because you're having so many more years involved with him that that one year isn't going to make or break your bank. Yeah, I'd have a hard time at two still pulling that trigger. That's a really interesting. Um take from you i i feel like because if you're if you're sitting at number two unless you made some trades um 
you know, you're coming off of a bad year. You kind of have a first pick that you know isn't going to play at all. You're almost you're almost settling into, hey, you're going to have another bad year here. To me, there's a, there's a lot of risk involved in that. Maybe, you know, maybe guys bounces right back, but you know, some guys just some guys just have a little bit more trouble staying healthy and staying on the field. I don't know. I, there's a lot of guys who are kind of right in that same window, and I'll tell you who I would have a, a really hard time passing up at this point at number two. There's a lot of there's a lot of options there. Rashad Penny, there's Ronald Jones, Sonny Michelle, there's Nick Chubb, there's Royce Freeman, who's a really interesting name. I like he's probably going to take over the backfield there in Denver, and the guy that's kind of on the outside, but I think. I think you could make a pretty strong case for he's coming on very strong right now. Kirion Johnson. What do you yep. think about what do you think about Kirion possibly taking him at number two? Yes, and that that is the guy that has moved up to that spot for me is Kirion Johnson, and I, I like him an awful lot. I think that the lines are going to be transitioning from everything is a pass first down and 10 and first down and three is a pass to using carry on Johnson, more of a, more of a running back. And they finally got someone that can carry the ball two or three times uh, every set of downs. And carry Johnson is that guy. So I, I see them transitioning in now. It's going to be hard for him to carry the load right out the gate. But as the season goes on, you're going to see more and more of carry on Johnson and less and less of Matthew Stafford. So, absolutely, Carryon Johnson is now my number two guy. I want to jump back over, and, and, and um, a little bit later I want to go through a couple of these other um, rookie running backs. But before we get into that, I want to talk about a couple other backfields that had some interesting things happen over the course uh, since the last time we talked. Uh, San Francisco, a couple of injuries there. Matt Breida suffered an injury. Jared McKinnon suffered an injury. Now, both of those guys are expected to be back to the start of the season. Um, but we know McKinnon has had some issues staying healthy. Um, that's certainly one, been one of the knocks against him for those for those that weren't quite buying in as much as I was here at the beginning of this preseason process. And then they went out, really interesting move for a Shanahan-led team to go out and sign Alfred Morris. Of course, Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad, is the one that put Alfred Morris on fantasy radars and helped win a lot of people their leagues not that long ago when he came out of nowhere uh, kind of as a backup fullback to be their starting running back and really helping a lot of teams that year. So um, San Francisco goes out, they sign Alfred Morris. What do you think What do you think about him there? Is, that, is there anything to see if you've got a deep league? Should you try picking him up or – just kind of nothing to see here, camp body, taking some reps while everyone else gets healthy. What do you think that goes? I think it's great for win-now teams for duration. You know, you you might as well just move on to something else because Alfred Morris isn't probably going to be legitimate after this year. I do do see him – I do see the 49ers making a change and sort of – altering their offensive system. They, I think they realize that Jarek McKinnon, there's a reason why he's never been a full-time back. And right out of the gate, they found out, oh, they got reminded. 
you know? And so they're like, well, let's get someone who could actually carry the ball three times or at least two times per, you know, per down. And Alfred Morris is, is built that way. So how much he has left in the tank, it didn't look like much in the Dallas with the Dallas Cowboys. They rarely used him. Of course, Ezekiel Elliott uh, is there, but even when he was suspended, it didn't look like he was getting much of the of the bulk of the carry. So I, it's hard to say what he has left, but I just don't see anything, any value at, with him until um, unless it's this year. Yeah, I have a league where my team is not very good, and I wouldn't pick them up. Um, team that I took over and trying to uh, rebuild now, so I wouldn't pick him up just in case he just in case he does gain some value. I might be able to flip him for a pick next year or something like that, so a contender. So that's yeah, one of those lottery tickets. Take a gamble, see if something happens. Um, the next, the next guy, our next backfield. I want to talk about. Of course, seems like we talk about the Colts one way or another on this show uh, <laughs> every single week. But uh, Marlon Mack gets gets hurt and. Uh, Robert Turbin has a pretty good pre- first preseason game. Of course, he's suspended for the first four games. Um, Naheem Hines is there, but he has kind of faded away a little bit. I think his stock has gone down some. Um, not too dissimilar from the way Max did last year. Uh, and then lurking, every dynasty owner's favorite player of all time, Christine Michael, is right there. Uh, <laughs> what's going on in this backfield? And... Is there any gold to be mined here, or is this more of a trash heap and we're just all cheering on Andrew Luck and hoping he stays healthy and avoid a uh, a garbage fire here in Indy? Well, yeah, but and they also have Jordan Wilkins, who's a Robert Turbin type of back as well. So I think I think they're going to be okay with Marlon Mack, Jordan Wilkins, those kind of players. They're going to. And then when Turbin comes back, it's kind of hard to see or say that Turbin is, is, has any fantasy relevance, especially for dynasty leagues. But for, some, for a standard league or a short-distance league, Turbin is, is definitely worth something because he is going to fill those goal line back duties, and he is going to also fill those short, short yardage duties. So look for him for those kind of – for those kind of leagues and Wilkins is, is probably going to get the majority of those efforts or tries to see how well he can do. Uh, if he can't, if he can't produce, then the Colts offensive backfield is going to be in trouble. They might need uh, Jack Doyle to be back there and carry the ball because obviously Marlon Mack is not an in-between tackle runner. Uh, either is Naheem Hines. So, that spells a lot of trouble when all your running back backfield can do is run outside. Uh, another injury uh, to rookies is Deion Kane. So look for Ryan Grant to sort of solidify that number two role and probably play more of a Dante Moncrief type of situation, catching maybe 40 balls and six or seven touchdowns. So he might be on your list as well. I bet we've mentioned Ryan Grant more than any other dynasty podcast on the internet right now because I feel like we've talked about him so much and yeah, I just feel like things keep going in the direction where he's going to have a role to play in this offense and 
he's going to be on a lot of fantasy teams this year, not just uh, not just the dynasty leagues and things like that, but I think he could make headway in 12-team, um, you know, just season-long leagues that, yeah, like I think he's going to be a waiver-wire guy that people are going to be adding maybe even as early as week two. So um, I think get ahead of the curve and, and take him real late and see what happens because, yeah, like like you're saying, obviously T.Y. Hilton's going to catch his passes. As long as he's healthy, he's going to be out there. He's going to be fine. But on the other side, you got Ryan Grant. Now there's Eric Ebron and there's Jack Doyle. But, you know, th- those guys can be, could end up having to do a lot of blocking. I mean, they're obviously going to be really careful with Andrew Luck. So I, I can absolutely envision a scenario where Ryan Grant is second, maybe maybe third on the team in, in targets and actually plays pretty well and does pretty well. So, yeah, not I'm not saying he's going to be the number one fantasy producer on the team, but he's definitely the kind of guy who could be a solid, glad you have him on your team and could fill in in case of an injury or bye week or maybe even be your wide receiver three. So I'm definitely I'm, – I'm warming way up to that. So, um yeah, a couple of uh, – he, he could be – he could probably be had as a wide receiver – you could probably draft him at wide receiver five or even make him your last pick yeah. in your draft and perform, at, yeah. as you're mentioning, a wide receiver three. So you're getting tremendous value with Ryan Grant. Yeah, I'm 100% on that. It's funny that we've uh, just talked about him so much, and I, the more time goes on, I definitely – it's like I think I think he really could, um, you know, be really good. So uh, San Francisco, we talked about um, – this guy a lot as well, but uh, George Kittle suffered a shoulder injury. It looks like he could struggle to be in those first couple weeks, so I guess keep an eye on that. And um, I, I still like George Kittle. I still think he's somebody that you, um, you could invest a pick in if you, if you need to, but if it turns out that he's going to be out a little bit more, then you may not need to. Just keep an eye on your waiver wire, so um, keep an eye out for that. Um, there's a lot of other just kind of as we go through our the preseason, but I'll turn away from, from just those specific situations now and just ask you, is there anything that you saw over the course of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday that jumped out that you wanted to point out? Yeah, I, I was really taken back by uh, Saquon Barkley's first run. Uh, you know, it, Wow, I I knew he was he had talent and he was great, but to see that first run and just to see it materialize on that defense and his patience for a rookie and that I mean I don't know what's going to happen uh, from here on out. We we still have no idea, but to show that kind of patience as a rookie when your first on your first run and your first attempt and be, I mean, I couldn't even imagine being in an NFL game for the first time and they call your number, how nerve-wracking that must be, and then go, oh, yeah, I've been here before. I've done this. Okay, so all I have to do is sit here, plant my feet a little bit, watch that hole come alive, and then burst right through it and go for, I don't know, what was it, 40 yards or whatever that run was, but wow, I'm that that was the play of, of I think the real week one of the preseason. 
I'm 100% with you. That was a really – that was a great one to see. I'll tell you what else was great to see, and I think people are in some ways – obviously, he's going as a first-round pick, but I think I don't think people are quite as excited about him as they should be right now. But, man, David Johnson looked like vintage David Johnson. I am excited about oh, him. I'm excited about him this year. I have, I have a, I have a, now this, this isn't uh this is a redraft. Um, so I'm sorry to, to break the dynasty situation. Well, let's, let's call this win now year. Um, okay. So I have the third pick of the draft and I'm going either David Johnson or Ezekiel Elliott. Which one would you go with? I go David Johnson. And so one of the things is, I'm not sure. Obviously, there's fear about Arizona Cardinals' offense, and that is a valid concern. Um, I think there is a, I think there's a decent chance that that Cowboys' offense isn't very good either, though. Like, I'm not sure. Outside of maybe their offensive line, obviously, I'm not sure there's very much. I'm not sure what. If you take all their position players, obviously cancel out maybe David Johnson and Zeke Elliott. Uh, Dak is probably better than anything, you know, currently going on with Arizona quarterback position, but Larry's a better tight end, uh, I mean, a, a better wide receiver. Bill Jones is probably better than – I don't even know who the Cowboys starting tight end is, is at this point. So I'm not sure it's a terribly worse offense. So um, let's just say that's a tie. Well, then you just look at – obviously this is not taking away from Zeke Elliott. He's worth the top five picks, but – David Johnson, as great – this is an amazing stat. I can't remember where I heard it. I heard it somewhere here recently. I guess I haven't verified it, so take it – you know, maybe maybe go verify it. Maybe I should go look. But I took it for, uh, for gospel. As great as Todd Gurley was last year, and if you had him on your team, you probably won your championship last year. As great as he was, David Johnson scored more points than him in 2016 than he did in 2017. So yep. taking Todd Gurley's 2017 and comparing it to David Johnson's 2016, David Johnson's 2016 was better. It's not like he was out with a lower body injury. He broke his wrist. So, you know, that healed up. He's you know, it's not like he guys got to fight back and get into football conditioning or football shape or anything like that. He's been able to do that all along. And, man, when you saw him work his way through the line on those first two runs, Gosh, it was just a thing of beauty. You were reminded of how how great it is to watch him play the running back position, just how much better he is at that than, than so many guys. And he could he could absolutely be on a team that's trailing, coming out of the backfield, getting uh, check down passes from Sam Bradford or Sam Darnold, whoever it ends up being. Or no, sorry, Josh Rosen, not Sam Darnold. Uh, whoever it ends up being there, uh, he could catch 100 passes. He's he's that kind of a receiver. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about David Johnson. There's a lot to like about Ezekiel Elliott. But I guess choosing between the two, give me David Johnson. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I. It's been battle back in my head, uh, back and forth. So I would love to have David Johnson again. So there you go. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so speaking of that, I mentioned I mentioned uh, Josh Rosen there. Uh, lots of news this week about him starting to kind of separate himself. He's going to play with the first-team offense this week. Sounds like there's a pretty good chance that he's in the lead for 
for that job and could be their starting quarterback week one. Um, obviously, you know, we weren't really drafting Sam Bradford, but if Rosen wins that job, do we, you know, do we bump up Josh Rosen in our quarterback rookie ranks? I, I feel like he's been pretty squarely behind Baker Mayfield. He's been behind Lamar Jackson in every draft that I've looked at. Um, so maybe he's going in that third, fourth range. Do you think maybe we should be thinking about him a little bit more seriously? He, he's been my number one from the very beginning. So it's, it's hard to say bump him up, but if, if you don't have him as your number one, then I really believe that he should be. I, I just don't have, I don't have any faith on Lamar Jackson. To me, he's just an RG four. Uh, yeah, he's going to get you points running the ball. So PPR leagues, you know, or two quarterback leagues. Okay. Yeah. I can see that happening for you, but you know, I, I, Throwing the ball is not going to be Lamar Jackson. He's just going to run, run, run. Um, and then you have Sam Darnold, who looks to be okay, but I don't see any. I think I'd take Josh Josh Rosen over him. And then we have also Josh Allen. So we all know about what that guy is not going to do. So I, yeah, for me, Josh Rosen is the number one, the number one quarterback off the board. Um, yes, and credit to you for that because uh, he probably will be the only, as far as I can tell, looks like he may be the only rookie quarterback starting week one. Um, and that could be handing the keys over to a fairly decent offense right there. I, I would expect them to not necessarily air it out, but, you know, because of the fact they have David Johnson there, but because David Johnson is so good at catching the ball out of the backfield, that could really help out. Um, Josh Rosen's numbers. So, plus you got Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, you've got, you know, we mentioned Seals Jones. There's some decent weapons there. I, he's in a position to really make a case, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we are looking at him very differently here. Uh, maybe, maybe when I say that, I just mean people are starting to look at him more similar to the way you look at him uh, once we get a couple weeks into the season. So, that'd be really, uh, really good. So, Here's a guy that I've been a little higher on than you, but uh, Mike Williams catches a couple of balls in the preseason game. Seems to be looking good. People that are out there at practice say he looks like a much different receiver, has good chemistry with Phillip Rivers. Are you are you coming around a little bit on him? Or are you still just don't think there's anything for us to see here? You know, I'm, I'm coming around just because the fact that Antonio Gates hasn't come around as far as been signed by the Chargers, the if that is ever going to happen, uh, let's just say it doesn't happen, then I'm I'm probably going to be on board with Mike Williams because Philip Rivers is someone that is going to throw thirty something, thirty five plus touchdowns a year. So without Antonio Gates and without the uh, I can't remember off the top of my head the the Hunter Henry or Henry, whatever his name is, um, there, those, those, uh, percentages is gone. Those opportunities are gone and guess who they're going to go to. They're going to go to Mike Williams because of his height and because of how well he can perform in the red zone, just like he did with Clemson. He was a great red zone receiver. So if you're looking at a quarterback that's going to throw 30 something, 35 plus touchdowns and has a big missing hole element, 
that can be filled by someone like Mike Williams, then I'm full aboard ahead. Yeah, I I think there's a decent chance that he's um, he's really productive for us this year. So I'm I'm excited to stash him. You know, there's a couple leagues that obviously he was hurt at the beginning of last year, and most people knew he wasn't going to really help contribute. So uh, I had a couple of these, couple of leagues where I stashed him, and I'm excited that I'm going to have a chance to hopefully reap the benefits this year. Um, Dante Parker missed practice with a hand injury. I, I'm not sure anybody's stock has fallen more in the last year than Devontae Parker outside of maybe Martavis Bryant. Um, but Devontae Parker is just tumbling down, just plummeting down our uh, list right now. Are we overlooking Kenny Stills? Can Kenny Stills be the kind of guy who we get in the late rounds and ends up producing for us a lot this year? If you're okay with inconsistency and have – if you have, say, Larry Fitzgerald uh, and you're not hurting for touchdowns, let's say you got – couple other players on your roster that are going to score enough touchdowns to sort of cover Larry Fitzgerald. So you have Mr. Consistency at the wide receiver. I I am full 100% for, for Kenny Stills. The only, pro, the only problem, like I said, with Kenny Stills is his inconsistency. But when he's on those weeks, he's really on. And he's going to win you a few games just because of those weeks that he's on. That's going to give you the extra points that you need on top of being consistent with, with Larry Fitzgerald. So I always try to do that. I always try to take, if you're looking at multiple positions on your roster, so you're looking at, say, three receivers, I, I always take one that's always consistent, uh, Jarvis Landry, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, those kind of guys. And then I always take someone that has big, huge weeks. And like, like I, I'll, I'll take Kenny Galladay, per se, and start him either at the flex or the third receiver and sort of use a best ball kind of in, implement and get those big, huge weeks and win three or four games just because Kenny Galladay caught three passes for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Kenny Stills is that kind of player where he's going to catch four, four receptions, you know, for 80 yards and two touchdowns or a touchdown. And so I, that's what I try to do, um, and if you do that, I think you're going to see your points increase and win more more games. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, so there are, I think, maybe 25 um, human beings on the planet that are capable of um, doing a fairly decent job at quarterback in the NFL. Um, I think that number's up from recent years. I think we're actually entering into a pretty good quarterback era of the NFL. Um, I also think that the Jets might have three of those people on their same roster. Uh, Josh McCown, you know, he was underrated last year. Uh, looks like he's going to be underrated again this year. He actually, I think he's got a fairly decent chance of being a pretty productive quarterback for you as long as he's starting, but they also have a couple other guys who are worthy of starting, or at least appears like. Um, Sam Darnold, of course, but the guy we want to talk about is Teddy Bridgewater, and there's talks about him being on the trade block and then possibly trading him. Um, I know he's kind of been a little bit of a tease for us for years. Everybody's excited about him because of the fact that 
the major injury he suffered and got back to the field. But I was trying to think the other day on what the ideal scenario for for Teddy Bridgewater would be. Clearly, he's not the future starting quarterback of the Jets. I think that's probably Darnold. But what do you think ideal scenario if you could if you could envision a, a situation or write up a situation where Teddy Bridgewater becomes the quarterback of who, then that would be great situation and Teddy Bridgewater would have a chance to be a, you know, an actual starting productive fantasy quarterback for us. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to, to say for the jets just because Sam Darnold's there. I think if, if Sam Darnold wasn't there, then, then I think he would have a great opportunity. Um, uh, just off the top of my head, maybe the Cardinals uh, would be a good, good chance for him. Um, but you also, I mean, as I mentioned, Sam Darnold, you got Josh Rosen. Uh, it's, right. it's really a blockade, you know. Um, I don't know. I'd have to have more time to think about it and look over the teams. But, yeah, let me uh, – yeah, I, I kind of put you on the, on the spot there with that one. What about, obviously, you know, homerism included here, but uh, what do you think about him as the heir apparent to – Drew Brees, or maybe their parent to Tom Brady. Yeah, you know, something like that, absolutely. Where you know that the player, that the starting quarterback is probably going to be one or two seasons at most, and we'll have that opportunity. I, I think that would be perfect fits for someone like Teddy Bridgewater. I, I don't know if he'd want to wait that long. I think he he's kind of antsy. I, I don't know why he went to the Jets, to be honest with you. I thought that was that was strange in itself. Uh, so, it, yeah, I, I think yeah. he definitely wants to get on the field. He's definitely a starting quarterback. It, it's just going to have to be where and when. And I think if, if I had to pick two teams, it would be someone with an elderly quarterback like those two teams that you mentioned. I would love to see on the Saints. Yeah. That would just be <laughs> that. You know, I wonder about like last season we saw that uh, trade where Jacoby Brissett went for Philip Dorsett. Of course, I, I still don't know why the Patriots did that, but, um, that was awesome. you know, yeah, something like that where there may be something in the works where he might get showcased a little bit and the Jets maybe get a little bit better um, return for him. So, um, yeah, I'd be excited to see you know, something like that happen. So, um, we talked last week a little bit about Eric Decker signing with the Patriots and if that would be something interesting. It sounds like he's having a lot of trouble. I, I don't even think he makes this roster. Do you? What, what do you think about that? Well, after the year he had with the Titans, you're like, okay, was it Mariota or was it just Decker being old? And when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady, you're going, okay, well, it's definitely not the quarterback problem. So it's either him grasping the offense, which is very complicated offense in New England, or it's him being old. So that's two strikes now of him being old. So I'm going to go with just him being old and not being able to do it. Yeah, I don't think he helps us out much this year. Um, I think that was he had a fun run for those years there in Denver, and uh, I think this is I think he's at the end of his road there. Um, Patrick Mahomes has struggled a little bit with interceptions in camp so far, or so there was a report out there. Um, I've been pretty high on Mahomes. I'm not worried about the interceptions. I think, you know, 
practice preseason is kind of where you want to take those chances. And uh, I'd be a little bit more worried about a quarterback who, you know, has like a 10 day interception list streak in practice. Cause Hey, you're, you, you, this is when you take your chances, find out what you're, what you can do, what your teammates can do, where, what, what holes you can squeeze a ball through, those kind of things. I, you know, I feel like this is when you should be taking those chances. So I'm not as worried about it. There are some people who are worried about it, though. Uh, what do you think about Patrick Mahomes um, inter- throwing those interceptions in practice? Is his value the same, up, down? Um, where do you stand with him? I, 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 you have to take him as the same. The Mahomes is going to throw, especially for – I'm going to call him a rookie quarterback. I know it's it's his second year in the in the NFL, but he is someone that only got one game in uh, in week 17. So he's still a rookie quarterback, still trying to adjust to the league, and you're just going to have to ride the fact that he's going to be throwing interceptions. And yes, he's going to make a lot of great plays, but along with those great plays are going to be coming some interceptions. So think of Brett Favre early in his career. That's what you got with Patrick Mahomes. So you, you, if you put him as your 15th quarterback, then I wouldn't be worried about him throwing interceptions in the preseason because that's going to just carry forward into the regular season. You just ride with what you believe you have in Patrick Mahomes. Do you think um, – so I just thought about this in Kansas City, but um, Spencer Ware is back this year. And I know Spencer Ware is maybe not the talent um, that Kareem Hunt is, but uh, Kareem Hunt basically didn't have anybody in the backfield that could take that could take carries. We know Andy Reid can do that from time to time and mix and match on some of his running backs. Do you – do you have any pause about taking Kareem Hunt in the first round this year, or are you you think he's going to follow up his sensational rookie year with another another good follow up performance here in round in year two? It's hard for me to put him out of the first round, but he's one of the players that I have as bust in the first round. I, uh, as far as what you mentioned, Spitzer Ware is going to have a role. They brought in Damian Williams from Miami who is going to have a role, I would imagine, or at least if, you know, if Spencer Ware can't do it, then Williams will step in. If Spencer Ware can do it, then Williams maybe have a lesser role. But he was brought in for some coverage, and it's not going to be the Kareem Hunt show like it was last year because they have nobody else to give the ball to. They obviously have players to give the ball to now, and that's going to reduce his, his workload. And then if you look at, I think it was like weeks four through eight, he did like zero. I mean, we're talking 15 carries for 23 yards. Uh, Just just ridiculous, ugly stats like that. So, I I mean, I I like consistency in my my players. But when you're just that inconsistent and you're putting up numbers that are just that bad, there's 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 a reason for it. And... Like I said, it's going to be tough for me to say he's not one of the top 12 players off the board, but where he's going now, I wouldn't buy for a minute. Yeah, I, um, I'm i with you on that. So, so yeah, we mentioned a couple of um, players there. You called uh, you called 
Uh, Patrick Mahomes, a rookie, not necessarily because he's his first year, but because it's his uh, first real year taking a chance of being a starter. So I want to talk about actual rookies now, though. I want to go through, and I feel like maybe the most helpful thing we can do for dynasty owners right now is go through this first, go through this first round or so, and talk about how we feel about some of these players who are going, and especially maybe the back half. Um, there are there's one clear cut number one overall pick in rookie draft, and that's obviously Saquon Barkley. If you've got the one one in your rookie draft, it's Saquon, and you just move on. Don't don't get cute and just take him. That's you're, you're doing great. After him, there's about seven guys who could be the second pick. We already talked about a couple of them already, but I want to parse through these a little bit a little bit more. Um, obviously, I made a case. Uh, for Kyrian Johnson, or I don't know that I fully made the case, but I, I said that's who I think I would go number two right now. You sound like you were on board with that. Um, another guy that I mentioned who is really coming on right now, looks like he's going to be the best running back in Denver. Um, if you had Devontae Booker and you uh, didn't sell him earlier this offseason when it looked like he might start, then you probably missed your window to sell high. Um, I'm not sure Booker, outside of an injury from Royce Freeman, is going to get very much work. Uh, Royce Freeman looks like he's going to take that job, and he he could be very, very uh, useful for us this this season. So he's another guy that I think is right there in that mix. Um, also, and I, I'll throw out a couple of these, and I want to hear your opinion on these guys. But Sony Michelle, Ronald Jones, Rashad Penny, Nick Chubb. And then we also we already talked about various guys. So out of those guys, I mean, very, very, very obviously, all those guys are running backs. To me, the difference between them is just razor thin. Um, as you're as you're going through those, let's let's try to help. Let's try to rank those as best we can. Who do you, who's your favorite of that group? And um, then you know, let's just talk through and see if we can come up with a good order. Okay, um, run through the names one more time for me, please. Yeah, so that's Rashad Penny, Ronald Jones, Tony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Royce Freeman, Darius Geist, and then uh, Kieran Johnson. I think we both settled. Hey, let's put him at number two. Um, so uh, Penny, Rojo, Michelle, Chubb, Freeman, Geist. Where are you going if you have the third pick? And Saquon and Kieran are off the board. Right at this point, um, I, I would have to go Freeman over Geis. Geis would be my number four. I, I like. I think Freeman is is a do it all type of back where he's he's capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. The one the one big negative about Freeman is his blocking, and he's going to need to learn to do that if he's going to stay on the field. But it seems like offenses are changing. If you think of Dalvin Cook, um, if, uh, um, oh, Alvin Kamara, those kind of guys aren't great blockers either and have put in some great numbers for fantasy football looking at last year. And I could I see Freeman sort of being that same way where it's not so much about blocking. It's, it's about how, how they're utilized and, Freeman being the the pass catcher that he is and the runner that he can be, I think is outweighs all the other players. 
I'm I would have said Penny two weeks ago, but the the fact that they're still stuck on Carson kind of worries me about about him quite a bit. I I just I don't know what's happening in Seattle right now. I I don't know if they if they feel like they made a mistake with Penny and or if Carson's just that much better or if they're they're just saying playing a, a hide and seek type of routine with Penny, but. They did the same thing with Russell Wilson a few years ago when they brought in, I can't remember what quarterback that was, but he was supposed to be the starter. And all of a sudden they were like, no, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson is our guy, is our guy. And no one's like, who, who's this guy? And guess who started week one of that season? Russell Wilson. So it's, it kind of worries me what's going on with Penny, but because of that, uh, I'm going to go with Freeman. Um, Fun fact, the guy he beat out, LSU uh, national champion, Matt Flynn. Uh, they have brought yeah. him in, if you remember, from Green Bay and uh, signed him to a yeah, signed him to a contract to be their starter and took Russell Wilson in the third round. And, yeah, he beat him out. And that's what I was going to say is the thing I've always respected about Pete Carroll is, you know, there's a lot of frustration because he can tend to be, like, overly optimistic about everybody. So, people get really hyped up about some of these guys that come through there when there's not really a whole lot to see there. But he had, but the thing I'll say about him is he seems to let the best player play. And this is now two years in a row. Of course he got hurt last year, but two years in a row where Carson has worked himself into a situation where he has been given starter reps and, um, not quite as much competition last year. Of course there was still was a lot of, a lot of competition. None of us were drafting Chris Carson as a starter last year. And at one point last year, he worked himself into being the starter there. Got hurt. So that didn't really work out. But um, now it does look like he's ahead of Penny. I, I don't I don't expect him to stay healthy enough to keep Penny off the field all year. But me wonder about Rashad Penny and also the reports of him coming in, you know, at 16 pounds over his weight from the end of last offseason. Um, some of those things start to worry me a little bit. Um, I think he's pretty close. I mean, I, I, what about Sonny Michelle? He has – I would expect that he's going to, once he's healthy, take hold of the running back position on that team. But what do you think – he's the kind of guy who seems like he could be – he could cause a lot of problems. He does have fumbling issues. Now we've got an injury. Could this? You think this could end up being a lost season for Tony Michelle if some of those things just keep going wrong the way they seem to? Yeah, those kind of things always worry me about any player where you see one thing and then another and then another. And I'm, I'm a believer in signs, especially when it comes to football. So – when you have all these multiple red lights and if you're looking at three or four different, different types of, of red lights that pop up, then sooner or later, you got to say, okay, stop. What, what, where, where is this guy going to fall? Where, what is he going to do? And right now it just doesn't look like he's going to do much. And I'm, I don't like the fact that he can't catch the ball very well. Uh, I don't like the fact that, that the New England offense is built around having rotational running backs 
James White is going to be there. He's going to make a difference. Rex Burkhead is there. He's going to make a difference. What's his role? What's his role going to be? And that that's what worries me the most. If he could if he could catch the ball, then I could see him being more of a predominant back. But they don't need him. Uh, I was very surprised that they they drafted him. I believe in the first round, and I, I just yep. didn't see where where he'd fall. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not a big fan of his. The other guy on this list here we haven't really talked about a lot um, is is Nick Chubb, and that's of course Sonny Michelle's backfield mate there at Georgia last year. Um, but Nick Chubb, maybe um, if you were looking at him pre. Uh, knee injury that he suffered there at Georgia, maybe would have been considered the most talented of all of these running backs. And we might be talking about him being the number one pick and Saquon being the number two pick if that had gone a little bit differently. But obviously it went the way that it did. He he has not impressed, I guess is maybe the right way to say it. Um, sounds like maybe there could still be a little bit of time to get all the way back 100% from that knee injury that he suffered. Um, and Carlos Hyde was treated to me. Uh, he played the first three snaps and went off the field. That kind of it seems like the Browns are treating Carlos Hyde more like the starter of the backfield there in Cleveland. Um, I have been just wildly underrating, I guess, Carlos Hyde. Do you think Carlos Hyde ends up being the back to own there, and he's? He actually could put up some fairly decent fantasy value for us, and Nick Chubb might have to wait till next year. They're very, both very similar type of backs, and with that said, I think Carlos Hyde is sort of there to be the mentor and the leader. Uh, unless unless Carlos Hyde gets hurt, I just I just don't see anything um, from him at all. I, I it's just it's very difficult to see how someone that are two identical backs going to uh, take over a veteran who who's doing a better job. So I definitely, you're definitely going to have to wait another year unless, you know, Hyde gets hurt, which is very possible because we know Carlos Hyde's uh, previous uh, years have always been sort of banged up here and there. And I think last year was his first time he was healthy the whole season. So, it's Carlos Hyde's world for this year, but you're not drafting for really this year. You're drafting for all the years. And I, I don't know how long Carlos Hyde's contract is. That might be, that might be something to consider if he's in there for three years or something, then that's even going to put more of a damper on the rookie. So it it definitely is going to be an interesting situation in Cleveland. I believe it's just a one year deal, but yeah, it's, uh, I'll, I'll see if I can verify that real quick. So, um, but yeah, so that's, I, I think that's pretty good talk on those running backs. And that's pretty much the top eight guys in your rookie draft. And then you get into a really interesting scenario where you got kind of a wide receiver run. Um, there's DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton. Let's put Anthony Miller in that. And let's talk about some of these, some of these wide receivers that go after that. Who's your favorite of that group? Uh, maybe feel free to add in that, but let's talk about those rookie wide receivers that come for the back half of that first round. Who's your favorite? Who are you targeting? And 
Um, or is there anybody else that you'd like to throw in that mix? You know, I definitely, definitely like Calvin Ridley the most uh, just because of the offense, and it's less crowded than Carolina's. Everybody's saying DJ Moore is the guy to have, but that whole Carolina offense is just uh, it's fragmented. You have Funches, and you have Holson, and you have McCaffrey, and you have uh, the guy from Ohio State from last year, and it's just it's just fragmented offense. And I just unless they're going to focus on one player, which I don't see happening, then it's going to be hard for DJ Moore to be as successful as his talent is. Uh, Calvin Ridley is, is, is going to be put in various situations. They're going to utilize his skills. Uh, the only person in front of him, of course, is Muhammad Sanu, but I think Ridley's going to play some slot. He also plays some wing um, when that uh, it takes advantage of itself. So Ridley right now is my number one guy. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I am in the camp of DJ Moore um, when it comes to who I like the best out of this group, and a lot of it is because I do think he's going to have more opportunities this season. Um, so I, I read a stat the other day. Uh, actually, this was from Warren Sharp, a really really great follow on on Twitter. Who he was talking about how Carolina last year won. They're like eight and three and in games where they they won by a um, a one score margin, and apparently, you know, he ran the numbers, and they uh, during those type games they ran the ball a lot more. Uh, and he was saying that he expects there to be a lot of regression that comes back, and you, you don't seem to you typically don't have a team that wins that many games. You know, usually there's some regression uh, when they're that close. And if there is some of that, then and that's Sharp Football on, on Twitter. Uh, really great follow. If there is some of that, then they may have to be throwing the ball a lot more. And if they're throwing the ball a lot more, obviously, Funches is there, but neither one of us think he's great. Greg Olson is a reliable target. He's getting up there. Um, DJ Moore really could be the most exciting option in Carolina outside of, you know, maybe Christian McCaffrey. But I feel like DJ Moore could pretty quickly be the guy that establishes himself as a, the most exciting, maybe even, you know, getting week to week, a lot, a lot more targets than even some of those other, other options. And I would, I would guess his, he would have more targets this season than Calvin Ridley. Of course that could go the other way as well. I like Ridley. I like Ridley too. And it's pretty close, but I would, I think more over Ridley. And then after that, I, I think Anthony Miller might be, number three for me he's if that offense can actually go from John Fox to something that actually looks like an NFL offense and Mitch Trubisky can man that correctly I I think Anthony Miller could have a lot of opportunities out of the slot and that seems to be where he's working a lot in practice Um, he really he's the kind of guy who um, who could demand a lot of targets being a just incredible athlete fast guy um, and scored a bunch of touchdowns in college. So over 32 touchdowns in 26 college games, which is pretty crazy. So could be a red zone target, certainly the kind of guy that I think could distance himself. I might take him third of those wide receivers. Um, Anthony Miller, 
kind of James Washington or, you know, Cortland Sutton, who I'd probably have fourth. What do you, what do you think of the, the next tier of wide receivers? Yeah, um, I definitely agree with your Anthony Miller pick. He <laughs> he might surprise everybody and finish as the number one rookie wide receiver the way, yeah, yeah. as you mentioned, opportunities are, are going to be there. And he's looking every bit the part that he got drafted for. So uh, Calvin Ridley is definitely limited, and so is DJ Moore. So, yeah, I, I would not be surprised about that at all. Cortland Sutton is, is someone that's just like an Atlanta offense, but he's over there in Denver. He has Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas that he's going to be having to battle out. So, But I love his skill set. I think for the long haul, he's either going to get some quality games in because you can't really count on Sanders to stay healthy you know, during the seasons, and there's only going to be so long before one of them is shipped off to another team not talking this year, but soon. And that Sutton's going to either go into where whichever wide receiver is no longer there with the Broncos in, you know, a season or two. So I'm a big fan of Cortland Sutton, and I think he's he's definitely worth a grab late as you can get him. Um, so those two receivers are going. I think Miller's probably creeping up a lot quicker than, than Sutton, but – uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have any problems with grabbing either one of those receivers. So Antonio Callaway's knucklehead, um, <laughs> and his punishment was apparently uh, uh, playing the whole preseason game, which is an interesting punishment from the Browns. There, I, I don't think, I don't think Hugh Jackson has any clue what he's doing, um, and that just seems to be seems to be evident. Uh, gosh. Every time you see them do anything, but uh, assuming he avoids suspension, and it's not clear that he will, but assuming he is out there on the field, um, he he could be interesting, right? What do you think about Antonio Callaway and his uh, his opportunities uh, coming up this season and beyond there with Cleveland? There, I think it's it's pretty good. I I hate to say good things about. Antonio Callaway right now, he's he's not on my, my favorite list just because of what happened. Um, and this isn't the first incident with Callaway. He's had problems in college as well. So he's, he's someone that doesn't understand that he has an opportunity here to be successful in life and would rather, you know, go the opposite road. But we're not going to go into too much detail about that. Um, I... I think he has a great talent, um, but that that Cleveland offense is just jam-packed with different receivers, so it's a hodgepodge, and you have Josh Gordon stabilized at one receiver spot, and you have Jarvis Landry stabilized at the other receiver spot, so where is Callaway going to fit? He's going to have to fit in that slot role, which I think he can do, but are the Browns going to be a passing team with Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor? Are they going to be a running team with, you know, Hyde? I, I don't know. I just, it, it's hard to say what kind of offense this team is going to be at this point. Are they going to be a mixture? And if they're a running team or a mixture, then that's going to affect Callaway. And this team is young. They're very young. And I think they're going to stick to a game plan for a couple of years, which means that you're stuck with whatever, 
whatever opportunities Callaway's going to get for at least a couple of years. And I don't I I think he's talented, but I just don't see the opportunity for him. Yeah, I I think I, I think you're right. I, I it was nice watching him on the field. He clearly looked like he's the kind of guy who could um, position himself in a in a good light here in the NFL if he can get his off-field troubles behind him. Uh, it looks like he could could produce. So um, we'll certainly see. You know, it's certainly sort of worth watching, worth a pick, maybe maybe in the second round of your um, of your rookie draft. Uh, other guys that are going kind of in that same range, I'm curious who your favorites in this group are. James Washington there in Pittsburgh is one of the guys. Christian Kirk there in Arizona. Um, and let's throw in Michael Gallup as well, who's in Dallas. Now, Gallup, of those three, has certainly made the most headlines, may have the most opportunity where he is, um, whereas Washington and Kirk have really not made headlines quite as much. Um how, how do you see those three guys? And if you're on the clock and those are the three best available wide receivers, are you, are you looking at them or is there some, another wide receiver we haven't talked about that uh, maybe is, is more interesting to you? Kiki Cootie, maybe. What, what, what do you think? Yeah. You know, Matt Waldman is, is pretty high on Kiki Cootie as, as well. Uh, I, I, I think uh, Cutie is definitely someone that can offer some value. My my guy, I think, is is it for right now for this season is Gallup, just because there it's him it's him and Hearns, and I think by the end of the season it's going to be him as the number one receiver over Hearns, and and based on that, then you're looking at someone who's going to have not only this opportunity but is going to produce in that role. Now, long-term, I like um, the guy from Arizona, Christian Kirk, because he's going to step in when Larry Fitzgerald is out. He's talking about two identical players. Fitzgerald and Kirk are identical, and that's the reason why they drafted Kirk, was to take over Larry Fitzgerald when he decides to hang it up or move on to another team or whatever he decides to do. And um, so long-term, definitely Kirk. Uh, short term, I'm going to have to go with Michael Gallup. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I like, I like the opportunity Gallup has, and I like, um, I, I like his game um, to a certain degree. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Christian Kirk is in about the most perfect situation that he could be in, and he could grow really with a lot, a lot with Josh Rosen um, and develop into it. You know, could be one of the top could end up being a top three wide receiver from this class if we look back three, four years from now. So I think he definitely could make things interesting. That's, that's about the point, I think, maybe even a little bit earlier. Um, we, we've talked enough about the quarterbacks. I don't necessarily want to get into them. But um, somebody like a Mike Gusecki could be going. I, I kind of in this middle, second-round range. I haven't seen him really going much higher than that. He typically is the first tight end I see go off the board. Him or Dallas Godart, Goodert, um, Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews. Uh, do you have a favorite among those rookie tight ends that you're targeting in your drafts, or um, you think this might be the year to kind of pass up on some of these guys? I, I like what I always like what Baltimore's doing, but you're you're looking at who's who's going to be the tight end there. Both are 
are very good pass catchers. So is it going to be uh, Andrews or is it going to be Hurst? I don't know. That's a tough question there. Uh, you know, I kind of like Swain, too, from Dallas. They obviously don't have a tight end. It looks like he's going to be the starting tight end. So you got to start it right off the bat all by himself. He's going to take over that role. So why not Why not look at him as well, especially with Dak Prescott? You know, he's going to be targeting the tight end in that offense. Uh, you know, it's always hard, too, with, with rookie tight ends just because of the fact that if you look over the history of rookie tight ends, they're not uh, someone that is a position that you desire uh, out of for the first year. They're something that you pick up for the long haul. So if I'm looking at two tight ends like Hurst and, and wondering, do I go with flip a coin? Then I'd rather go with someone that I know is going to be there and go with Swain as my top tight end. Yep, I like uh, – you know who else? Uh, Chris Herndon over with, with the Jets is getting a lot of buzz uh, during the offseason. He could be an interesting guy to watch. They don't really have anybody else entrenched there at tight end. And, and they're getting confident quarterback play without a lot of great options at wide receivers. So, you know, it's an uphill battle, lots of climb there. But I could see Herndon making an impact for a couple of weeks at least and, and um, you know, providing fairly decent value for a guy you can probably get in the fourth or fifth round of your rookie draft um you know another guy who's really interesting to me um i just wish he was in a better situation did you see john kelly run to the rams did you see him yeah man he just looks like i i yeah i wish that guy if he was there in indy you know he might be the guy that i would be he might be really exciting if he had an opportunity like that but uh but he's not there obviously you know the only way he really makes an impact as if Gurley gets hurt and nobody wants that to happen because Gurley is exciting. So, um, you know, I just might be worth a late round flyer just because if he is, if he ever does get the opportunity, I think he, I think you do want, um, you know, I think you want a guy like that on your team. Not Naeem Hines got a lot of buzz for a while. Are, are you kind of off of him or you still have hope that, that the rookie there could, provide some value for us it all depends on marlon mack i think as long as mack is stable which he was pretty good last year then it's going to be hard for heinz to even break through as far as uh you know anything more than just moving around and him you know taking trying to take advantage of certain situations but as far as a running back pure running back I just don't see it as anything. I see him more like Percy Harvin, someone or um, the guy that uh, was with the Rams, Austin, uh, Tavon Austin, those those kind of players where they just don't bring enough to your fantasy team to, to warrant um, a roster spot. They, they're more just gadgety guys that uh, are good for, for the team because they draw coverage and – make mismatches difficult. Uh, so that's how I see Hines is someone just as a gadgety guy that is more, is better for, uh, for the NFL than it is for your fantasy squad. Is there anybody else, I guess, as you have gone through some of your, um, some of your rookie drafts and you're, you know, obviously building some dynasty squads. 
any other rookies that we haven't already mentioned that you're interested in or you're targeting late in your rookie drafts that you think can help you uh, either short-term you or know, long-term? And, and, and that you bring that up, I was going to ask you, uh, what in Green Bay they got those two rookies. They got Jamon Moore and, and Quantum of St. Brown. Do you, do you see anything coming from them or – do you see it sort of a, a already a loaded wide receiver core with, you know, they got Adams and Geronimo and Cobb, and do you see anything breaking through from those guys? Uh, I probably share an opinion with Aaron Rodgers on this. <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers was pretty, was pretty rough on his, on his rookie wide receivers. I was actually starting to really come around on the idea that Moore could could develop um, and earn some playing time. And Cobb has had a you know, little bit of difficult time staying on the field, and Gerard Allison is far from proven. Two of those guys are going to have some opportunity. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 almost like when the way that um, those comments from Aaron Rodgers sounded to me was the, was the way that Peyton Manning used to sound when talking about Donald Brown. <laughs> Do you remember, <laughs> you remember that? That was hilarious. Oh, in, yeah. in the YouTube video? Did you ever see the yes. YouTube video where he's screaming, yes. damn it, Donald? Yes, yes. That's, you know, those quarterbacks that kind of get to a certain point, they're used to working with veterans, and he has. You know, he's used to working with Jordy Nelson, and and, and Jordy Nelson really worked. You know, of course, he's, you know, you go all the way back. I mean, you look at the wide receivers, he's, he's worked with, with the Greg Jennings and the, you know, you've got consummate professionals that have been there working hard. Randall Cobb is just a, you know, a surgeon. He's, you know, getting a little bit older, but has always been real. And then it sounds like these guys have come in and maybe just um, aren't what he's used to. And, you know, when you hear that, it's hard to be super positive about those guys. I, I, I think from a talent perspective, they're worth, rostering and putting on your team and you know if you're if you got a late round pick to add those guys and I certainly think that those guys so maybe if you have a taxi squad or something like that you could you could add them but yeah when you start hearing that from the guy that practically runs the franchise then it kind of makes you think twice yeah and that's the thing too is is you know, Equanimous St. Brown, I was I was sort of hopeful for. And, he, you know, when he was in Notre Dame, he had these great games, but he also had these stretches where he just didn't perform at all. And that was kind of worrisome. So uh, it's, it'll be interesting. I think those are definitely dark throws and long-term projects, obviously, that just because of the Packers are just so stacked at the wide receiver position, um, it's just going to be hard for them to see the field. Another guy that's gotten some buzz, and I don't know where he fits in, but he, he's made, been making a lot of plays on the special teams, so maybe if you have a league that rewards uh, return yardage or something like that, Philip Lindsay, a sixth-round running back that uh, is there in Denver. Um, of course, they have Royce Freeman, and I expect him to have that job. But after Royce Freeman, I don't have a lot of confidence in the running backs behind him. I don't know that Philip Lindsay will ever be your prototypical running back. But uh, if you've got a league where return yards matter and those, you know, I, I've, I've got one league that does, um, 
I might set aside a late round rookie pick for for Philip Lindsay. Yeah, and also that probably would be great for someone like uh, Naeem Hines as well because he's going to be returning kicks for the Colts. So, yeah, those two, those kind of players for those kind of leagues are are excellent choices. Uh, they also have D'Angelo Henderson there that uh, got hurt, I believe, last year, and so he's he's someone that I guess is third on the depth chart. But if Philip Lindsay can figure out how to leapfrog over him, then that would be even better considering that both Booker right now and Freeman are sort of, I, I don't, I don't think they, they're getting the wow treatment right now. I think they're, they're getting, okay, who's going to beat out who and what role would they have? And they're getting more of the an analytical approach. So, you know, Philip Lindsay could come in and why not have an opportunity when really the only veteran there is Devontae Booker why not take a chance on someone like Philip Lindsay? You know, one more guy I'll mention um, is, yeah, I heard that Cam Meredith has been sitting out with an undisclosed injury here in New Orleans. Um, they, the team cut Brandon Coleman, Willie Sneed left. You've got, you got, obviously have Michael Thomas, you've got Ted Ginn, but there's an opportunity for somebody to be kind of a third down um, kind of a guy, a slot receiver, somebody that you know. There, there's going to be a lot of a lot of opportunity in the Saints offense, and Traquan Smith has really helped himself a lot in practices. He's been a lot of um, been a, a big buzz from a lot of the beat reporters here that I follow on Twitter, and uh, he's a guy that you can set aside a pick and try to acquire him. And um, certainly sounds like the kind of guy who is a playmaker and he hasn't, um, yeah, he just, he hasn't really caused, he hasn't done anything that causes you to think that he could make an opportunity. And sometimes it's just finding, finding a wide receiver on a team that likes to throw the ball and likes to, um, and can produce fantasy numbers. Sometimes it's that easy. And those are the kind of players that, that I, I look for, especially late in drafts. Uh, that's how I got David Johnson on a lot of my dynasty teams because he was sort of the same way. Someone that was kind of ignored, didn't really get much of the buzz, and but played well, um, could do a lot of the things that are required of players to do and in the right position at the right time. And obviously being in the New Orleans Saints with, with Drew Brees, you're definitely in, in the right position and – with the room that they've cleared, why not why not even take a flyer on someone as you mentioned? It's it's those kind of the players that, that make or break your team, that, that build your team for years, um and you know, that aren't gonna have much of effect. If he doesn't work out, what did you waste? Like a fifth round draft choice on him? You know, <laughs> like okay, you know, it didn't work out. That's the that's why he was drafted in the fifth round. But if if not, then you know, and you got him in the fifth round. Look at look at the stash that you did in the fourth, third, second, and first rounds, and you got someone that's probably leapfrog over them. So those round that's why those rounds are so important. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and I lied. I said I was going to have one more, and I've got two more. What about what about this uh, from back from Northwestern? I don't know a ton about him. I know you have played in a lot of Debbie leagues. You follow the college game a lot more. 
I don't know a ton about Justin Jackson there with the Chargers, um, but uh, I definitely have heard a lot of a lot of interesting things and the kind of guy that could make an impact if given an opportunity. And apparently, there's plans in 2019 that he could end up even being the starter there. What do you think about him? Um, actually, I don't know too much about Justin Jackson. Here, let's see. Let me look him up here real quick. Um, what position does he play? Yeah, he's running back. Um, he's he's right there, you know, right behind Melvin Gordon, looks like, on their depth chart. Um, a lot of opportunity there in Northwestern. Uh, finishes as the, their all-time leading rusher. And uh, with Melvin Gordon, you know, going, he's apparently um, a free agent at the end of this year. There's a possibility that they're not going to re-sign him. And, you know, he's the kind of guy that could – if you're digging deep and you're looking late in the draft, he might be the, he might be a decent guy to to add to your team. Yeah, you know, um, he was a seventh round draft choice, and if if they don't decide to to take on Melvin Gordon, you know, he's built to to have that kind of effect. The, he's not he's not someone that is is small. He, like they have Austin Eckler. Um, behind Gordon, but Eckler is more of a third down back. For Justin Jackson, he's he's more he looks more like uh, Gordon. So, it for whatever reasons they decide that that Gordon isn't the future, then why not? You know, those kind of like I said earlier, those are the those are the players that you want on your team just because for whatever reasons. Well, Mike. That's, uh, that pushes us right up to the hour and a half mark here. I think that does it for us today. Really fun show today. Actually, some real good football to talk about. A lot of news, a lot of notes. Um, man, it's exciting to have that back, and we get to do it all over again, man. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we got preseason games coming, and, man, we're going to have an opportunity to uh, talk about a lot more as uh, the second preseason game offers a little bit of a more in-depth look, and we'll get as the layers of this onion keep unfolding, we get more and more information, and and uh, it's exciting. So uh, certainly appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about it all today. And uh, man, let's let's do it again next week. Absolutely, uh, thank you, Cal. Um, you can find me at RFL Red Zone. Cal, where can they find you? At DinoCast. Cal, D-Y-N-O-C-A-S-T, Cal. So, yep. Have a good one, Mike. See you next time. You too, sir. Absolutely. Goodbye. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.